You know, that's, that's one of the things I think we as parents always try to do better is trying to find time for our loved ones, you know, especially our family, our children. They grow up so quick. Some of you just celebrated your uh, child graduating or maybe your grandchild or maybe it's your brother or sister, but they grow up quick. And when you don't see them for a while, if they move to the mainland and then they, you know, they start to grow up and you see them a couple years later, they just grow up so fast. Then it is said that Probably in the 1960s, I believe, that that was uh, one of the things that we find uh, parents struggling with was finding time with their children. But since then, fathers have nearly tripled the time that they spend with their children from 2.5 hours in 1965 to now about 7.3 hours in, in today's world every week. Now, you may think about it and say, wow, that's only seven hours a week. That's about an hour a day, and that's upon average. But I think what we try to do as fathers is we try to do whatever we can to keep the family going, to raise up our children in the best way possible, and then also to create an atmosphere and environment in our homes that's safe for our family. And so this being Father's Day, yes, we're going to be speaking a lot about fathers, but at the same time, God has given us so many godly principles that we can learn by uh, in the Word of God. So it doesn't matter if you're a father, uh, a mom, son or daughter, grandparent, God's principles and His Word today are going to be applicable for every single person. Now, despite the increase of uh, the time we, we get to spend with our children or fathers that spend time with our children, 43% of fathers still believe that they don't spend enough time with their children. On the other hand, 26% of mothers feel the same way too, that they don't spend enough time with their children. Or they, they do spend enough time with their children. 26% of moms feel, I do spend enough time with my children. And I thought, well, that means 74% are saying, I spend too much time with my children, so somebody got to save me. But that's where dads come in. Sometimes dads, we come home and the mom has been home with the children all day. And we... You know, we come home and we save the day because mom is going crazy already with the kids. And so as dads, we try to come home and, and, uh, and alleviate the pain sometimes of, of moms being home with the kids. But fathers, there are so many things that God teaches us and finds value in us. And today we want to talk about the importance of a father. Like me, many of you may not have your father with you. My father passed away when I was in the 11th grade. And so you... For Father's Day, it may be a difficult time. It may just be one of those days that comes and goes. Some of you, maybe you don't have a good relationship with your father. So Father's Day is, is a tough time. But there's, there are many of us who for Father's Day, we look forward to this day. Because it's almost like a free ticket to do whatever we want to do. If we're not already doing that. It's like today is legal. We can, we can do whatever we need to do. And like, Ma, like Mother's Day... Many of us dads, we would say, boy, it should be like this every day. Now, some of you came to church already or came early and you had your breakfast. And boy, wasn't it a good breakfast. So some of you afterwards, you're going to get your steak and eggs breakfast. Uh, you can't go twice. So don't think that, oh, I came earlier, so I ate my breakfast. But after service, I'm going to eat again. First of all, you might fall asleep if you already ate. Because it was a good breakfast. But at the same time, we wanted to honor you as dads. And I know it's a free breakfast and it's something, you know, simple like that. But uh, we just wanted to say thank you to the fathers. 
And then uh, as the day goes by or the service, like I said, with communion, we're going to be receiving communion together as a family. And today, as we learn about the importance of a father, we're going to learn that there was a man named Paul who was the apostle. He was someone who planted churches in the New Testament. This was after Jesus died on the cross and resurrected from the grave. Paul, the apostle, uh, receives this assignment from God to tell people everywhere about Jesus Christ. Now, Paul finds this one young man named Timothy, and he's raising up this young Timothy in the ways of God, and he's saying to Timothy, here's some principles that I want to give to you because there are things that you can learn as a dad if you become one. There are things that you can learn as a person with the principles of God. And as Paul is telling Timothy these things, it's kind of like Timothy is learning the ropes of what it means to grow up. Father's Day came about as a woman who they celebrated Mother's Day. And after listening to a Mother's Day sermon in 1909, Sonora Dodd of Spokane, Washington, wanted a special day to honor her father, who was a veteran, uh, and he was widowed from the Civil War. And so they began this thing called Father's Day, and it started in 1910. June 17th was the first Father's Day celebration, and we carried that on to continue on. And it's interesting because fathers, we're, we're just a different kind of people. You know, mothers and fathers are different. That's why God brings the two together so that we can balance it out in raising our children. And, and, and with dads, I don't know, but uh, I think I'm one of those dads that anything my kids are doing, it could be sports, it could be playing a simple game. It's like we bring in life lessons that have nothing to do with the game. You could be playing checkers or anything. and say, Dad, you're cheating. Hey, life isn't fair. Life isn't fair. And I'm not cheating. You guys play different than my rules. When we was young, we never played like that. You couldn't jump, 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 jump. Or whatever it is. It's like we bring in values. But if you're competitive, like Monopoly, then, you know, sometimes we get upset. And so we're trying to play a game, but then we'll, we'll still bring in life lessons. Then our kids will be winning and say, hey, no, 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 no. You got to wait till you own all properties before you can buy a house. No, no, that's not how I play. No, that's how I play. That's how I play. So you got to wait. And it becomes that competitive. They land on goal 200. No, you got to wait till you pass. No, 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 I landed on goal. No, it says as you pass goal. And we become competitive. I don't know. Maybe it's inside of us to, to raise them up in a, like a tough way. Like we say when they come to us crying, you know, they fell down. Let me see. Let me see. And what do we say? No more blood. But what about when they do come and get blood? What do we say? No more bone. <laughs> it's like, we always have one up, you know, as dads. And if worse come to worse, we say, you know, just get in your room. If worse come to worse and we're losing, you know, get in your room. But very rarely, and I know we do this, very rarely do we really humble ourselves and actually sit with our children and apologize. Have you ever had your dad apologize to you? Have you ever, as a father, apologized to your children? Sometimes we don't say, hey, you know what, I was wrong, I'm sorry. You know what we say? It's like, oh, it's kind of crazy yeah, today. <laughs> Everybody's going nuts, eh? Like thing, we're not like your mother, eh? It's, like we don't, I don't know if we know how to verbalize it, but it's like, Paul is talking to Timothy and he's saying, Timothy, here's some things that I want to give to you that's, that's from God that will help you in, in, in becoming this person, 
becoming a man. And we're going to look at three principles because it's not really just the time that we spend with our children. Just presence alone, physical presence alone in the family does not account for too much. And being with our family is a great thing, but it also includes participation. That we got to participate in the lives of our family, in the lives of our children, because no sense be successful out there but fail at home. Because in the end, that's where it's going to count. It's in the, ho- in the home. Everybody may leave your side, but if your family does, oh boy, that's a tough season. So we want to focus on how can we be the family as we conclude this series in how God created us to be. And at the same time as fathers, learn the importance of a father. In, the, in your notes, uh, the first thing that we're going to look at is to fight for what God values. And if, you're, if you have your bulletin, you can take out your notes and then follow along. And let me just explain what that means. Because Paul is going to give something to Timothy to kind of learn and to take with him. And he says to Timothy, it's 1 Timothy 1 verse 18. He says this to Timothy, this command I entrust to you. Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you fight the good fight. And he's telling Timothy, there are many fights you're going to have, but fight the good fight. For us as parents and as family, fight the good fight of moral values, of godly values, of time with our children. Fight for that time. Fight for the, the, the values that God gives to us for the family because the, the world is not going to give it. God gives it. And he holds us responsible as the family to fight for godly values and good godly values. That when we fight for these values, we're going to see God raise up young men and women that represent him well, that will change our families, our communities, and our world. It says, fight the good fight. You know, in the Bible, it says the word father over 1,000 times. So it tells me that God is very serious when it comes to fathers. That there's an importance of fathers that we encourage rather than put down. And I know sometimes it can be easy or it's an automatic thing. Maybe we were raised that way that our our parents put us down or our dad would say negative things, but let's change that around. Let's start to encourage our children. That in the things that they do, we, we build them up and not tear them down. They get torn down enough from the world. No sense have that at home. And as dads, our words mean more than many of their friends will ever say to them. That their friends could be saying all kinds of negative things and it really doesn't bother them. They'll brush it off. But if you say it, oh, that sticks with them for their entire life. Maybe we've said things that we regret. Just humble yourself. Go to God and say, God, I need to ask my son or daughter for forgiveness, but I don't know how to. God will give you the words. He'll give you the strength and courage. And you might be thinking, no, they need to come to me and tell me sorry because they had the attitude. Well, I, I, I think if we go to God then God will make a way for both. Because it's really not about right and wrong. It's about the relationship. And Paul says, fight for those things. Those are good fights that you fight forward with. See, you know what God loves the most? He loves relationship. God is not about religion. He's not about all the things that we have to follow. It's really loving Him. It's a relationship with Him. And when we love Him, then now we can love one another because we understand God's love. He says, you fight for those things. And as much as you do as fathers, our children will still make wrong choices. Even the perfect father in heaven has children that make wrong choices. And he's the perfect father. Our children are still going to make wrong choices. And we're not proud of our children because they're spotless, they're, they're perfect, or because they make no mistakes. 
we are proud of our children because of who they are. They're going to make mistakes. We've made them. We've made many mistakes. Oh, we don't want to share them with our children because they're going to say, why, Dad, you did that too. We don't want, to, we don't want them to have dirt on us. Or maybe you did share it with them, and, and maybe that's where they learned it from. I don't know. But God is saying, you're not going to be perfect, nor will your children be perfect. So just, so, so value what God values. Instill those godly values. The second thing Paul is giving to Timothy is, is to conduct myself worthy of God's house. Now, Paul says this to Timothy. He says to conduct yourself worthy of God's house. And I'm thinking, what does that mean? What do you mean conduct yourself worthy of God's house? Because Paul is, as a, he speaks as a father to young Timothy knowing that Timothy needed to know how he ought to conduct himself because how we conduct ourselves doesn't come up automatically. It's something we learn. And if we don't teach our children, and if we don't receive from God how to conduct ourselves, then we're going to learn it, and our children are going to learn it somewhere else. And it may not be the right way or a good way. And even more, their life will turn for the worse. Paul saw God's best in Timothy, and he said, that's your aim. This is your aim, Timothy, God's very best. Anything less is unacceptable. That's what he's telling Timothy, saying, you're a young man. Anything less than God's very best is unacceptable. He says this in 1 Timothy 3.14. He says, these things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. So God's very best is how I would conduct myself in the house of God. Like I've spoken to many teens, teenagers and children, they would say, you know, my dad, that's not how he is, you know, at home. You know, in church. He's like, hey, praise the Lord, hallelujah, good to see you, my brother. He's not like that at home. He's a different man at home. And I understand that. But what God is saying is it's, it's different in the house of God. He's saying that's a, a, that's a way for you to gauge how you should conduct yourself at home. That how you are here in church is how you should conduct yourself in home. And Paul is saying to Timothy, here's some principles that you can learn by. When you come into the presence of God, when you come into the house of God, when you worship him and you do what you do in church, be like that at home. Like if our kids are eating breakfast and a pastor is sitting with you, your kids spill something, you're like... Oh, it's okay, son. <laughs> Daddy got it. <laughs> I got it. You know, we'll pick it up. But at home, it's like, what are you doing, you idiot? And we, we, that's how we get at home. But in church, oh, it's okay. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Daddy got it. Daddy got it. And, and Paul is saying, Timothy, there's a way for you to conduct yourself. And you can learn by when you're in the house of God. That because the presence of God is here, we behave differently. And I see us as dads. I've done this before, so we all fail at this, but God is going to raise us up. I've done this where I look at my kids with the look. It's like, and they look at me. And that look is, wait till we get home. And there's another look like, wait till you get in the car. Like, ah, oh, dad, that's shorter. But that's, that's how we are. And God is saying, but when you're in church, there's a different conduct that you have. Bring that home with you. And Paul wants to give that to Timothy. And sometimes we teach our kids more from how we conduct ourselves rather than what we say. And then Paul writes to Timothy because how we conduct ourselves is taught to us. It's not instinctive. It's taught to us. And Paul is saying, Timothy, I'm going to teach you these things. Because if, 
if I don't teach it to you, and if we don't teach it to our children and one another as parents and as people, then the world is gonna, it's gonna warp our way of thinking and teach us differently. And the last thing Paul says to Timothy, he says, do not neglect this gift. And we can write this in as, as do not neglect my gift. It's a gift that God gives to all of us. Don't neglect that. Do not neglect my gift. Now, God infused each of us with a gift to be used for his sake. And it's in there. And sometimes we don't know how to express it, but it's in there. Creativity, uh, the way we think, uh, wisdom. He says, I'm giving you this to be used for me. And he says this to Timothy in in 1 Timothy 4.14. He says, do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Now, what Paul is saying to Timothy is, you have this gift. It's been given to you from God. People have prayed over you. Don't neglect this gift. It's inside of you. It needs to come out. And he uses this word gift. It really is the Greek word, or we translate it from the Greek word, that means grace. Because grace is a gift from God. He gives us all grace. Of all the things we have done wrong and all the things that we're going to do wrong, God says, I give you my grace. Then Paul says, that grace that God gives to you, don't neglect that because you're going to need it when it comes to your family. You're going to need to give grace. When your son or daughter comes home and they say, Dad, I smashed the car. What are you going to do? How are you going to respond? Is the first thing we say, but are you okay? Or is it, where where, where a car? Where a car? And God says, I'm giving you a gift of grace because you're going to need it. And as much grace as God has given to us, we, we are not even going to touch that amount of grace that we are going to give to people. God gave us so much grace that we don't even deserve. I saw one of my friends the other week and I said, hey, how are you doing? He said, better than I deserve. And I thought, that's my thought for the day. Better than I deserve. God gives us grace. And the grace that God gives to us is not like our human grace. Our human grace is, well, if you do well, then I'll be nice to you. I'll I'll give you grace. But if you don't do well, I'm not going to give you anything. But that's what grace is. Grace is when something goes wrong and something goes bad, and I give grace. Because you could go crazy, and many of us have. And God says, I've given you tons of grace. And this gift, don't neglect this gift. The gift that God gave to us. And now he saved us from our former way of living. That now we know Jesus Christ. Oh, we're a different person. The Bible says we're a new creation. And so for many of us, we try to think through, okay, as a dad, or even as parents, how do I, how do I build my family up? How do I raise them up in the ways of God? Because it's different now than what I used to be. And, and how do I raise up my children so that they know Jesus Christ, they know God that they know him in a relationship, not as a religion of do's and don'ts, and, and, uh, but in a way that's, that's pleasing to God in a relationship. And we try our very best. Now, we all try to figure out time, you know, how to spend time with our children, how to spend time with our spouse. You may do it differently. You may go fishing. You may you know, work on cars together. You may read books together. You may uh, play a game together or, or, or watch movies together, whatever it would be. It, it's something that you can do that would spend time with your family or something that, that you could participate in that your family would know that, okay, we're a family. Whether it's eating down, uh, sitting down, eating dinner together, no gadgets, just sitting down, eating dinner, actually talking to one another. 
there are certain things that we all do that it's all different. I remember um, because I, I think thinking of Father's Day, we all have different views of our father. You know, we, we all have uh, come from different backgrounds with our fathers. But I was thinking about today and I thought, what gift did my dad give to me? Now, I'm not talking about a football or baseball or things like that, but what gift? Like, what did, he, what did he give to me? Because my dad left when I was in the second grade, and he passed away when I was in the 11th grade. So I didn't, I didn't really have that relationship with him. So I had to think, Lord, what, what gift did my dad give to me? And the gift that my dad gave to me was to do my very best in whatever situation I'm in. To do my very best, whatever situation I'm in, regardless of the odds, to do my very best and to come out of that victorious, to do my very best, and then to live an adventurous life. Uh, my dad, when we would come home, we lived in a, it was on Hickam Air Force Base, so we lived in this, uh, it was like, a, I think it's called military housing, but uh, we drove down this one street, and then we lived, you know, a couple streets down. My dad would have me sit on the hood of the car. Any of you did that when you're little kids? You could, Only me. Maybe it was that dangerous. Maybe you don't want to raise your hand. I understand. It's illegal. So my dad said, hey, well, you want to go on the hood? I said, yeah. I was four years old. Four years old. Sat on the hood of the car. He would go slow. He wouldn't go, you know, seven miles an hour. He'd go really slow. And I would just sit on, hang on to the windshield wipers. And then he would just drive down the street. And I'm thinking, how dangerous is that? I'm sure it was illegal. But we didn't have seatbelts either. In the back. Remember, you'd sit on the, the seat by the window and wave to all the cars in the back on the highway. You do that now. That you, that's child abuse. But that's, a, that's how it was. And many of you, you grew up like that. We just didn't know. And the times were different. But that's what I remember. My dad would let us pop fireworks on his car. Not sit on his car and pop fireworks. Like we would put fireworks on his car. I don't know why, but it was fun. So I received a lot of things, uh, kind of thinking about it now, it was a lot of illegal things, but he kind of taught me to do the best that you can with what you have and, and to, to make the best out of every circumstance. And so I tried my very best to do that with my children, legally, and I remember my kids, they would say, you know, dad, tell us stories, tell us stories. And because my season was so busy, I thought, what time do I have with my children? And so what I would actually do is, is find just some time that was almost like guaranteed that I would spend. And it was, and with other things, you know, playing with them, the, one of the main ones was, were putting them to bed and telling them stories. And I know as fathers, you know, when your kid says, Dad, read me this book, and you look at how many pages, there are like 30 pages, like, oh, once upon a time, there was a man, and he was with the horse, and then the horse was galloping, and then the, oh, and then the horse oh, built a castle, and castle was fire, and then, and then the horse oh, dragon, and then so, and the end. You know, like, Dad, you skip pages 16, 19, and 22, you know, they know. And so when I would tell my children stories, instead of reading a book, I would just tell them stories. And he said, Dad, tell us stories of how you grew up. And so I would tell them stories of me growing up. And after a while, I thought, this isn't good stories. These are like bad stories. So I, I felt that I needed to, you know, give them positive stories. So I made up this story called The Adventures of Helicopter Jim. And it was about this, like a tweener. He's, you know, 10, 11 years old. 
that was given an assignment uh, from his dad or given an assignment to uh, locate these certain stones. And, and so uh, I would read them or, or tell them these stories and it would end because, you know, I cannot be there all night. So I would just tell the story and it's, you know, two, three, four minutes, sometimes five minutes. And I'll tell the story and then I would end it and it would have to continue the next night. So it would just continue from one night to the next. And so we looked forward to that. Well, as they continued to grow up, you know, I don't know about you, but I wasn't about to read to my 19-year-old. You know, tuck him in bed. And I still can. Uh, I don't know how he would receive that, but he's 25 now. So after a while, they said, you know, Dad, you know those stories, Helicopter Jim? Why don't you put that in a book? And I thought, huh, that would be a great idea. And so the heart behind the book was for, for dads, especially dads, to spend that time with their children. So we finished the book. And so every dad, hopefully we still have, uh, gets a book this morning. And if you're a father, okay? So some of the moms, yeah. So the heart behind, oh, yeah. Only God can do something like that. So we're actually applauding the Lord. So what are the adventures of Helicopter Jim? Well, Helicopter Jim is a tweener who has been given an assignment to locate the stones of the month, which when returned to its proper place will restore peace and order to the entire universe. It is short adventure stories. It could be read before bedtime on car trips. Make sure the driver is not the reader. Thought I'd throw that in as a disclaimer just in case. Or for class time, camping trips, or whenever you think best. And after each story ends, it continues the next day. And not until then... That's what makes it adventurous. You need to hang on until the next adventure of Helicopter Jim. So we ordered, hopefully we have enough. If not, uh, we're going to get some for next week. Uh, but that's for our fathers. And so when you come up this morning and receive communion, uh, we're going to come down these aisles. And then we're going to exit behind the tables so that it's not congested. And we tried it first service. That was the best way we could do it. And we're going to receive communion together as a family. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, what is communion? What is that all about? Well, Jesus was letting his disciples know about this thing Paul was giving to Timothy, this thing called grace. That when Jesus was with his disciples, this is on the night he was to be betrayed, which meant someone was going to turn him in to the chief priests and the the leaders and the the, uh, Roman guards. They they were going to, actually it was Judas Iscariot who was going to betray Christ. And then he was going to go to the cross. But after taking the cup, this is in Luke chapter 22, verse 17. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not eat, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And what Jesus was saying is that I'm going to go to the cross and die for the sins of the world. And I'm going to come back to life. So I'm not going to drink until that kingdom comes again. The salvation of the world for the sins of all the entire world and human race, that we are included in that. And Jesus says, I'm not going to drink again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God comes. And then he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying that this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with me on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. 
Then they began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. Even though Jesus knew someone was going to betray him, he still imparted grace to them. He still was able to say, you know what? I'm still going to give you grace. I'm still going to love you. Because even on the cross, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Jesus doesn't wait for us to get our act together so that he forgives us. He already forgave us with or without us coming to him. But we got to receive that. And he says, I've forgiven you. I've given you grace. More grace than you could ever imagine. Before we were born, he already loved us. Before we were even thought about from anyone, he said, I already had plans for you. I've forgiven you. Now he says, you take that power of forgiveness. Now you give that away to other people. And he says, unless you forgive others, I cannot forgive you. It's like we hold back God's forgiveness to us by us not forgiving others. Now, I know it may be tough because for some of us, we're saying, I'm not forgiving so-and-so. Or because it's Father's Day, I'm not forgiving my dad. He did this, 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 and this. Now, I'm going to say something. It may shock you, but I think it's for all of us. There are no perfect dads. There are just no perfect dads. Now, it's no excuse. Still hurt there. There's still maybe some bitterness, but you're holding yourself prisoner. By all that God wants to do. Just go to God and, and, and ask God for the power to forgive. If your father has passed away already, go with God and say, God, I want to forgive him, but he's not here. And God will make it possible. And when you pray that to God, he say, God, I don't know how to, but I'm asking you to give me the power to forgive. To release everything that I've been holding on to. You watch what God does because he will make that possible. So today, we don't just want to have a, a great closing to our series on the family or just to know the importance of a father, but we really wanted to, to do something eternal. Not something that's just going to be temporary here for the day, but something eternal. As we receive communion together, some of you are wondering, but I, I don't know Jesus yet, so I wouldn't know what that means or how to participate. We're, we're going to pray in just a moment. My encouragement to you today is, is when you do leave here today, that you take something that God has taught this morning, especially the importance of a father. Now, I'm going to invite the worship team to come out, and they're going to be singing while we receive communion. And then after we receive communion, you'll be dismissed, and then you can you know, enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, by the way, as fathers, I want to speak to the fathers this morning. Now, if you do want a book, you just uh, let the people know that's, that are going to be here that uh, if you could uh, have a book. And it's one per father, okay? And if uh, someone is not here, sorry, but uh, because of the limitations of the book, especially because of that, uh, it need, they need to be present here. Now, you might say, oh, but he's outside. He can come inside because we want to bless the fathers. It's just a special gift we want to give to the dads. And we just want to say thank you to the dads. I'm going to ask you if you would bow your heads and we're going to pray. Lord, as we learn about the importance of fathers, I think it's important for us to understand you as our Heavenly Father. And it's important to be in a relationship with you. It's important for us to get to know you. Many of us grew up with a certain way of thinking, but really it's, it's not a religion that we're being a part of. It's really a close relationship with you because when we're loving you and when we're close to you, everything else will tie in. So help us today, Lord. I pray for all those that 
that maybe, like me, we, we lost our fathers. Maybe this is the first Father's Day without Dad. Lord, I pray for a special comfort, a peace, strength, that they would think of all the good things and honor their fathers today, and especially by the way they live. I pray for those of us who may struggle with this forgiveness or unforgiveness with our fathers. Maybe it's in a strange relationship or a, a, maybe it was a horrible relationship. Maybe there's still hurt there or bitterness. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that it would be released so that forgiveness could take place. And so that your spirit can move in a mighty way and release whoever is being held prisoner by unforgiveness. So that they can live a life of freedom. Lord, I know there are people here today that they've never given their lives to you. And in this thing called salvation, that you've saved us from eternal separation from you. That you've made a way possible for us to spend eternity with you in a perfect place called heaven. And if you're here this morning and you're saying, I've never given my heart to Jesus. I, I never knew I, were, I was forgiven. I thought I, have to, I had to do certain things in order to gain God's favor. And God says, no, I already did something. So you gain my favor. I've, I have sent my son to die for your sins so that you can be forgiven and have a relationship with me. And if you're here this morning and you want to pray this prayer, I'm going to say it. And you just repeat after me, but mean it with all your heart. And here's the prayer. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean and make me brand new. I believe you died on the cross. And you rose again. Thank you, Jesus, for eternal salvation. Now, some of you just received Christ for the very first time as your Lord and Savior. And with every head bowed and eyes closed, if you just made that commitment, I just want to ask if you just lift a hand real quickly. I want to pray over you that you said yes to Jesus for the first time today. Go ahead, just lift your hand. Nobody's, nobody's looking around. I just, want to, I just want to pray over you. Good. God sees your hands. Good. Good. God sees your hands. God bless you. God bless you. The back. Good. God bless you. God bless you. Yeah. Many dads. God bless you. Yeah. Good. God sees your hands and your hearts. You can put your hands down. Lord, I, I pray especially for those that said yes to you. That you would bless them, walk with them, help them, and teach them this new life that they have. Lord, I pray they would look forward to because you are good. How many of you this morning, you're saying, boy, I, I, I understand what Paul is teaching Timothy. There are some good things that God taught me today. And if you are saying to God, Lord, I receive from you and whatever it is that he gave to you. But I receive it and I'm going I'm to do my best to apply it and live it out in my life. If that's you, would you just lift a hand? You're just acknowledging that, Lord, I, I received something from you today. Good. Good. You put your hands down. Lord, thank you for teaching us the importance of fathers. But most of all, thank you for teaching us who you are and for imparting your grace on us. I pray your blessing over every single person here today. And as we leave today, we say thank you for being a wonderful father. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all said, Amen. Amen.